Today's message is entitled, The Gospel, The Family Product. The Gospel, The Powerful Family Product. Hashtag at the bottom, The Family Business. Hashtag The Family Business. Are you still with me? We're still on this family business protocol. We have been going berserk on these messages. I have gone back and listened to these messages. Today, I want to talk about the product. Every business has a product. Every business has something they're trying to sell or service they're offering. So the family product, listen to me carefully, the family product is the gospel. That's what we're giving. And the gospel is powerful. The gospel is powerful. Now, many people say, you know, say the gospel. You don't don't even know what the gospel is. Well, I'm going to clear that up for you today. Today, I want to cover a few areas, three areas. The first one is, I want to cover what is the gospel? What is it? You should know what the gospel is by the time I'm done. Number two, how do we present it? How do we offer it? If we're a franchisee, if we're in the family business, we ought to know what product we're offering and we ought to know how to offer it to people. Tracking? And third, what will it do? If I tell, if, if I offer this product, I got to be able to share what it does. In other words, how will it benefit the people we're offering it to? And not everybody is going to accept the offer. So that product must have relevance for people who accept it and people who don't accept it. So we have to talk about how this this product will benefit those outside of itself. In other words, it'll answer questions about destiny and truth and morality, love and place for our souls to go, uh, hope and all those, those questions. Now listen carefully. The product is the gold of the business. Listen carefully. Now, people all talk about, I'm a Christian, and I'm, I'm a Christian, and, but you don't do nothing with the gospel. You don't know nothing about the gospel. And the gospel is the product. The gospel is the gold of the business. It is the item that creates the value for the business. It is the, the product that brings in income. It is the source of profit. Do you get me? So the gospel, what we offer is what makes the business prosper. The product is what we are offering, all right? So there's a product. We're offering the product to the world. It is, listen to me, it's called a product. Listen, product, because it is what has been produced. In other words, it is a product because it is from production. Our franchisor, God in the kingdom, has produced a product for us. Remember, he paid the cost to produce it. In other words, production has cost. So he bought all the machines. He did everything. He produced this product. He made it at cost and he sold it for a price. Remember, he takes care of the price, the cost. We take care of the price. But guess what? How much is it? How much is the product, y'all? The product is free. The pro- Listen, God is so bad. He paid the cost to produce it. Then he said to us, sell it for free. Give it away for free. And he said, from freedom, in other words, I'll show you how to live with a profit from a free product. This is bad. All right, watch out now. Opal Lee got me. Opal Lee got me. I'm looking at her picture right now. Listen, I'm telling you, the product is free. But God can do more for your life when you offer something free (laughs) because the blessing in our life comes not from what we uh, offer in terms of its value, but in terms of our obedience. When we're obedient and do what God asks us to do, that's when we see the profit comes to our life. Now, how long does the product last? So Shauna, people may ask, well, how long? Baby sister, well, how long will this work? Well, I mean, do I need new batteries? Well, I need to, what if I had to bring it back in for repair? You don't got to bring this back in for repair. This product is eternal. How long does it last? 
eternal. And, and no, you don't need to worry about it. this product. The gospel is everlasting. It will stand the test of time. Nothing wrong with it. There is no repair. There will be no updates and there are no revisions. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. The gospel is true. It's done. It's the final picture. It, there is no sequel. There's no trilogy. This is the final cinema projection of what God has done. All right, I'm going to tell you about it. It is an item. It is a service. It can even be virtual. So I'm just giving you some ideas of what a product is from a business perspective. Are you tracking with me? I'll get spiritual in a minute. Our family product is a service or a word or an item or a story. Oh, you're going to miss it. We, Our product is a story which happens to be the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is the power of God that leads people to salvation. Watch this. You don't believe me. Let me give you a quote. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of what? The gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. So the text says the gospel is the power of God that leads to salvation. Watch this now. You know I'm going to break it down. The gospel is the power of God, genitive, belonging to. It is the power that belongs to God that leads people who believe to salvation. It is the power. It is not necessarily the salvation. It is the power that leads people to salvation. Hold on here. Now, this whole act of the kingdom and the franchisor and production and free gospel and a free message is all an act of love. So when you offer this, you don't offer it because the church told you, you don't offer it because you mad, you don't offer it because you're trying to get brownie points, you offer it because of love. Because you love the people in the world. Black, brown, yellow, blue, poor, educated, ignorant, lost, found. You offer it out of love. We actually carry or are offering, what we're offering and carrying is literally saving someone's life. I want you to see that. We are carrying something so powerful, it could literally save someone's life. I like the contemporary English version. The CEV version says, it is God's powerful way of saving all people who believe. So what are we doing? The gospel is God's powerful way. It's how he saves people who believe. All right, I got to move on. Got to move on. Listen, then let's ask the question. Point number one, which is what I said. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? Let's just make it plain. Terry, I'm going to try to make it plain to you. Terry's listening. Terry Ashford, this is for you. All right. What is the gospel? God's powerful way of saving all people who believe. Now check this out. This is going to get juicy. I hope you take some notes. We must know our product if we're going to get it out to the world. You have to know what you're offering. I remember asking somebody some questions. They were selling something and I asked them some questions and they didn't know. They didn't know enough about it to sell it to me. In other words, I had done my own research online to where I knew more about the product than they did. Do you think I bought the product from them? No, I didn't. No one is going to take your offer if you can't answer questions about it. If you don't know how to defend or the apologia, the apology, if you can't defend why you believe what you believe, always be able to give an, a reason for the answer or an answer for why you live the way you live. You ought to be able to answer questions about why you believe this story. So what are we giving away? What are we offering? 
That's, that's what I want to tell you. So I'm teaching this to you to minimize your fear. Dolores, many people are afraid of the gospel. Many people are afraid to go and read the Bible and say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go out. I'm going to take this gospel to the world. You don't even know what the gospel is. You don't even know what you're going to say. And people are scared. They think the gospel is for preachers. You think that the gospel is just for me, that I'm just supposed to be the one to give the, no, 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 no. The gospel is for every franchisee, every believer in the word, in the, in the kingdom of God has been given the gospel to tell. It's the product of the family business. And if you are in the family business, you got to know how to handle the product. Let's go a little deeper. Let me share this with you. First of all, the gospel is words. The gospel ain't nothing but words, y'all. You hear me? The gospel ain't nothing but words. The gospel is words. The gospel is a message. The gospel is Christ. The gospel is a story. The gospel is nothing but good news. You see those words off to the right? Jesus, forgive, save, life, love, the cross, Calvary, Jesus, his blood, the tomb, Easter, resurrection, death, burial, angels, road to Emmaus, Golgotha. All of those are a part of the story. And guess what? They're nothing but words. They're nothing but words, y'all. The story is good news. And what we're offering is not tangible. It's not tangible. I don't have something in my hand to give you. The gospel ain't nothing but words, Sharita. It's nothing but, and some of y'all, some of y'all can talk. You can run your mouth. You can go all day on the phone. You can text a T-Rex. You, you can text. I mean, I mean, you can go all day, but you can't tell the gospel. Something wrong with that. Cause you don't know the gospel. You know more drama. You know more rumors. You know more gossip than you do the gospel. And you got, listen, the gospel is nothing but words. It morphs into something tangible per our actions. In other words, if I pick somebody up, if I help somebody on the street, that's when the words become an action. In other words, when I do something to help those in need, when I buy somebody breakfast or pay for someone's rent, that's when the words translate in, God dogged. I feel him, Danielle. Wait a second. I, I, can't get, I can't get riled up here. Calm down. The ultimate expression of what is good is love. And that is what the gospel is. The gospel is love. You are merely taking words that express love and words turn into actions of love to people in the world. So how hard is it? How hard is it? to go out in the world and just love somebody who needs love. The gospel is nothing but storytelling. You've probably already said about 300, 500, 1,000 words today. You've said 3,000 words today. How many of those words were related to the gospel? In order to be a speaker in order to be a great speaker or a storyteller, you first have to be a good listener. There are plenty of people who talk, 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 argue, 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 but never listen. You don't listen. And that's why you can't tell story because you spend most of your life talking. You spend more time talking than listening, but a good talker first spends hours listening. Before I preach, I have to listen. Ah, God. I listen to what he tells me. So my point is, we're telling a story that has first been told to us. How well do you know the story that God told you? What saved you? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How shall they hear unless a preacher be sent to them? A preacher preached the story to you and now you are saved. Well, now you're to tell that story to someone else, but you can't remember it. You can't remember it because you don't live it. 
Let me tell you the best way to remember something is to incorporate it into your life. If you can find a way to incorporate the thing you're trying to remember in your regular routine, those actions of those routines help to remind you of what it is you're trying to remember. Don't you know that tying a string on your finger, that's all it is, that every time you visualize it, it triggers memory. If you try to remember something that you have nothing to remind you about, you will never be able to get the details right. So in order to be a good speaker, you have to first be a good listener. And so before offering to the world, I just want to tell somebody, did you get your story straight? Did you get, do you go to church to even be reminded of the story? Do you go to Bible study? Do you have a moment or time where you remind yourself of the study? Do you practice the questions? I remember when I was taking uh, uh, the, the, the test, the LSAT. Uh, for the the law degree to to go to law school, and you have to spend hours practice questions. What they thinking? What they might ask? You have to prep based on what you think somebody's going to ask you. How do you know you're saved? Well, well, I know people who are hypocrites. All church people are hypocrites. And what, do you have an answer for that? Because much of it is true. But how do you convince people? Well, preachers are uh, charlatans. They take the money. Yep, some people do, but not all. Do you have an answer for that? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saved by the grace of God. The Lord forgives me for every sin. Yeah, okay, well, so I don't have to be holy. You don't have to live right. Do you have an answer for that? My point is, do you have enough connectivity with that which is spiritual, enough connectivity with words that will help you tell the story? I got to move on because I don't know if you're getting this. But let me tell you this. Then not only are the gospel words, but these words have power. So wait a minute. So the word, listen, remember I told you the gospel, Romans 1.16, is the power of God unto salvation. These words have power. Listen to me. Now, have you ever hurt somebody with your words? You can use words to hurt people. Words have power. So these these words, though, have power that lead to salvation. I don't want you to miss that. The words that you form in your story are words that lead to salvation. These words are power. Well, what are those words? Faith, mercy, redemption, second chance, love. These words, these types of words have power. What I want you to understand Power then, when I looked up the word power in this particular text of Romans 1, 16, it is the ability. The gospel is the power. The gospel is the ability. Watch this now. Inside the words that I say, Jesus is the son of God. Inside those words is an inherent power. Watch this. So speaking them really does nothing. Speaking them, you don't have the power. The power is in the words. It's loaded. Have you had a Reese's cup? The Reese's cup is surrounded by chocolate, but inside the chocolate is peanut butter. Inside the word is power. Oh, I got, I got to get you. I got to get you to get this. Listen, it is powerful by virtue of its own nature. In other words, watch this. The word has power because the word itself is the word of God. Uh, in other words, the word is powerful because the word is Christ and Christ is the power. Christ is the gospel. In other words, the words that we speak have power because those words are the word of God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. So when the words that you speak are from the Bible, they automatically bring power. So make sure what you're speaking is the word of God. And when you speak the word, that's why we used to say, speak the word of God over your kids. Speak the word of God over your spouse. Speak the word of God over your house. Because when, when people say, you know, they don't do that no more. You know, ask people to come over your house and bless their house and all that. Because when you speak over it, when you speak or read the word, when you read the word of God has power. Oh my God. Do you know how God, Jesus will destroy the devil in his second death? He will destroy him with the word of God. He said he will speak. 
and he will destroy the devil and his demons and the blood will be so high it will be as high as a horse's bridle. He will not throw a punch. He will not tackle him. He will not kick him. He will do nothing but stand there and speak the word. Whoa, do you get what I'm saying? If you start learning the power of God's word, you can speak it. Do you remember when Ezekiel, God asked Ezekiel, and said, can these dry bones live? Ezekiel said, oh Lord, thou knowest. And God told him, he said, speak to him. Speak, prophesy to those bones. And when he began to speak in the spirit, listen, the word, when you speak in the spirit, you're speaking what the will of God is for that thing. Ah, God. So you know you're speaking the word of God when you speak according to what God has told you about what you're speaking to. Now, that doesn't mean you just go and speak, I want that Mercedes. No, if that Mercedes is not in the will of God, you can speak to you blue in the face. But when you speak the word of God according to the will of God, whatever you speak, whatever you say shall come to pass because those words are riddled with power. I need to pause. I need to stop. Selah, hold on a minute. Is anybody tracking what I'm saying here? This is doggone deep. <laughs> doggone deep. You hear me? It has nothing to do. The words we say have nothing to do with the vessel. I'm not a prolific preacher. I'm not a prolific teacher. But as long as I preach the word, that's where the power comes from. The energy for the performance is is in the word. It's in the Bible. That's the force that reaches people. I just need to deliver. Ain't nobody asking you to be power. Anybody asking you to be powerful? Nobody asking you to be powerful. I'm just asking you to be available, to give the word, to bring it, open your mouth. That's all. Let the word do the, the, you stop trying to save people. Stop trying to correct. Just let the words do it. Say it and get off of it. Let God, never mind. I got to move on. The story of words are all of what I just described about the power above. In other words, this story of words is powerful. And we must read those words so the power can plug into our lives for expression. Watch this. If you don't have, if you don't read the word, if you don't take that word in, then you've got nothing to talk about. You cannot speak it. David said this. Remember David said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In other words, he's saying God's, uh, watch this. This is ridiculous. He says, your word is so powerful that when it plugs into my life, it lights up like a lamp and a light unto my feet and path. In other words, the word has relevance for what I'm going through. If you get the word, you read the word, don't worry about, well, I don't know what to read. I Who cares? Absorb the word. Let the, the, the power is not in your ability to know what to read. It's in your ability to get the word in you so that when God needs to form those words, to plug them in, to turn on, to be light, That's when they become light. When you walk into a dark room, what do you do? You turn on the switch. Why? You turn the switch on because you need light for a reason. God says, I will put the word in you so that when your life has a reason to be lit up, I will turn it on. Oh my God, this is sickening. I don't know if you, man, this is what I'm talking about. Getting deeper than the door. I I don't know. I might lose some of you. Listen, so we must read the word so that word can plug into us. God's word plugs into our life and it emanates power. When we, when, when the word of God finds a reason to show up in my life, oh, it's a light show. <laughs> you think pyrotechnics at, uh, on New Year's uh, and 4th of July is bad? I'm going to tell you what pyrotechnics is. It's the Holy Ghost bringing that word up in your life during a time that God has a purpose and a plan for you to open your mouth. It's your platform. It's your season. When everything about your life lines up with heaven and God says, do your thing. Open your mouth and do what I gifted you to do. 
That's when the glory lights. That's what glory is. It lights up. It's a light show, baby. When God, do you know that God's glory was so bright, Moses couldn't even look on God. He said, turn your face into a mountain because I'm too bright for you. No man can look at God because his glory is too bright. What I'm trying to tell you is if you want a light show life, then you've got to get the word in you to where it exudes the glory of God on your life. I, I don't know. I Man, I hope. Move on. Go to the next. Let me go. Here we go. Listen. Not only then are the words, the story, the gospel is words and the gospel is power. But when you put those words together with power, you get the gospel story. The gospel story is words with power. I asked you, I asked you, what is the gospel? The gospel story is words with power. The gospel story is words with power. If you're telling a story and it doesn't have power, it's not the gospel. The gospel story is words that have power. So when we bring these words together with all their power into a story, we experience the gospel. Let me say it again. When we bring these words together with power, into a story, we get the gospel. So the gospel is a story about Jesus Christ. When we bring those words together with power into a story, we get the gospel. I'm taking you somewhere. You don't know it yet, but I'm taking you. So any story, listen, any story we tell that's based on God's word becomes powerful. Ah, God. Any story we tell that's based on God's word, because God's word is power, any story we tell becomes a powerful story. David said like this, David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. What is he saying? He's saying the word that is in me has the power to keep me from sinning. So what I do when I feel a temptation coming on, I start telling myself a story. <laughs> I need some storytellers here. In other words, you start talking to yourself. You start quoting the scripture. You start reminding yourself of who God is and what he has done. And when you start telling that story full of words that have power, David said, I hid it in my heart so that I might not sin against thee. Now watch this. The beauty of this story. Oh, oh, watch this, Cynthia. Watch this. The beauty of this story is that it is manifest in a human, in a human being. So in other words, the story about Jesus is a story that operates in a human. The most impactful stories are when they are told in a relatable way. Do you think it's no chance that Jesus had to come to earth to be in a form of a human because he would be offering salvation to humans? He couldn't offer salvation to humans and he was God. Humans would have no way to relate to it. So the story has to be packaged in a human format so that it can be relatable to people who are listening. Meaning people can identify with what you're saying when you bring those words and those stories into human scenarios. Why did Jesus tell parables? Because parables help people understand in an earthly and human way. That's what makes the story of Jesus so compelling because we as humans can relate. I feel preaching. What happened to Jesus in scripture can happen to us. That's what it's freaking saying. What it's saying is everything you read in the gospel is a story in a setting of humans. And if it happened for Abraham, 
If it happened for Moses, if it happened for Joshua, woohoo, it can happen for you. Cousin Kevin, I'm telling you, the reason for you having the audacity to memorize scripture every week that Pastor Cherry gives you is because I'm trying to give you the opportunity to put the power in your life so that when you speak the word, it comes, uh, God, you're not ready for this. But now, listen to me, listen to me. Now we have to get comfortable with not just hearing the story because that's too many of us. Too many of us are comfortable getting online and hearing this. story. preach to me, Pastor Cherry. Come on, tell me the story. Tell me, oh, that was good. Oh, that's rich, Pete. Oh, oh, that's rich. Oh, that was, I've never heard it before, the likes of that before. And then you go on your way. You go back, you listen to it again. All you do is you listen to me. But now you have to get comfortable with sharing the story. You have to now find out how do I get that story out? That's the first part of our walk. The first part of our walk is hearing it, getting to the door. This is where you are. But now we have to learn how to tell it. All right, I'm moving. I'm moving on. Listen, the first one was what is the gospel? But now how do we tell the story? Does anybody want to know how to tell the story? I'm glad you asked because I'm going to let you know. Come on, Opal Smith, help me here. How do we present it? Presentation is everything. How many of you know presentation is everything? I was serving Joy dinner last night. She wasn't feeling too well. And when I put the noodles on the plate and I put the juice from the meat on there, some spilled on the side. And I had to take a napkin and I had to wipe around the perimeter of the plate so that it was clean because I wanted presentation uh, to mean everything. Come on, somebody. You cannot live a raggedy life and then present that God is so good. Uh It's going to hurt somewhere. Listen, presentation is everything. Your demeanor matters. When you approach people, when you go up to them, do you know why I get dressed up? I could put on a t-shirt. I'm at home. I could look like an idiot, but I don't because demeanor matters. Content matters. It matters how you give it to people. I study and I prepare because your understanding what I say is dependent upon Content, body language is everything. Why do you think I'm so animated? Gestures play a role. Body language, your facial expressions say a whole lot before you even open your mouth. How about word choice? The word choice you use, uh, it can turn people on and it can turn people off. This all affects understandability. So to sell the product, all you're doing. Oh, this is juicy. Come on. Come on. Listen to me, Big Ben. Don't you see to sell the product or to offer the product? All you're doing is finding a way to bridge God's story within the stories of your own life. Oh, I'm going to say it again, Randy. All you're doing is finding a way to bridge God's story into the stories and the actions of your life. Look at what Paul said in Colossians verses one, uh, Colossians one verses twenty five through twenty seven. He says, "Watch this now, because this is you got to tell the story." And, and the question we're asking is, "How do you tell the story?" Twenty five says, "God has given me the responsibility. It is your responsibility. Do you hear me? As a franchisee, it is your responsibility." He said, "God has given me the responsibility of serving His church by what? Proclaiming His entire." message to you. That is my responsibility. If you do not tell the gospel to people, if you do not get this story into your story, you are evading your responsibility. 26 says, this message was kept secret for centuries and generations passed, but now it has been revealed to God's people. And I want to say something right here. I'm a, this is a side. This is not in my notes, but I want to say something to you. God has kept some things secret because you your life was at a place 
where it was not conducive to what God wanted to do through you. He says, but now that is no longer the case. He said, I have changed things for you. I have opened up your life and what was hidden is now being revealed in you. And it is your responsibility to tell people about what I brought you through. I kept it covered for many years, but now that period is over. That season is over. And God says, now it's time for you to reveal it. Let me go on. He says, for centuries and generations, let me go to the next verse, verse 27, the last verse. He says, for God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. Do you hear me? It's not just for you. You can't just get the gospel and say, well, I got mine. Shame on you. God's gospel is for the world. He says, and this is the secret. What's the secret? Oh, I'm about to shout. Christ lives in you. Do you hear that powerful statement? I got to come back to it. He says, the secret is Christ lives in you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What does that mean? Christ, who is the word, the word is the gospel, does what? It lives where? In you. The power of God unto salvation is in you and it's waiting to be lived out in your story. Now watch this for those of you shy people. Now let me give you this. Look at this last sentence. It's ridiculous. He says, this gives you assurance. What gives you assurance? Christ living in you. Christ lives in you. And this gives you assurance of sharing his glory. In other words, you have the assurance of sharing the glorious story. Why? Because it first lives in you. In other words, you, well, what if I open my mouth and it don't work? What if I give it and it doesn't work? When I, he's saying you have my assurance that if it worked for you, <laughs> it's going to work for them. In other words, remember the glory I said, the bright light, get your light on. He says that glory is going, because that shines in you, he says it will shine for others. Remember last week I preached about in earthen vessels. This treasure is in earthen vessels. The light shines out of the darkness. Watch this. God put his light. He put his word in your dark vessel. And he says, because the light shines through you, I guarantee it will shine through the person you tell your story to. Is anybody tracking? So we give this product to the world. How? By telling stories. That's all. We tell stories. Putting words that have power into our personal stories that make sense to others. That's all. Just tell your story. Tell that you came through cancer. Tell that you went through a divorce. Tell that you lost your house. Tell, tell the story. Tell it. Make sure that you are giving people an opportunity to see a real life Christian. Not a fake one, not a manufactured one who goes to church and is all holy, lying, talking about you you ain't sick, but you coughing all over me. Your nose is running. You got chills and a fever, but you ain't sick. I'm not claiming it. Stop it. Yeah, you got a malady, but God will heal you. Yes, he will. Be real with people. Show them that you're sick and then come back next week and say, look at what God did. Uh, Christ living in you gives us assurance of sharing his glory. The fact that it works in us means that it's going to work in others. So this once hidden secret was now been revealed to all and it's not just the Jews. It's good news. He said, the good news is for them too, boo. So stop hogging it. Stop hogging the gospel. Stop being blessed every month and you don't tell nobody. Stop getting favor every month and you don't tell nobody. Stop it. Stop, stop getting all this relationship with God and you don't share it with anybody. All right, got to move on. Got to wrap this up. Look then, he says, let me give you this. What is good news? Because the gospel is good news. What is good news? What is a story? What is this good news? How do we incorporate this good news? Listen, my advice is two steps. Here it is. It's called good news for a reason. Watch this. Good news implies that there's bad news. Good news means something is worse. I want you to understand that. When you talk about good news, it means something is worse. 
So if you're going to be a purporter, a purporter of good news, the way to tell the story, the way to incorporate it into people's lives is to first point out their flaws. In other words, show people where their bad areas are. In other words, help people identify with the flaws so that when you give them good news, it is good news. Let me say it like this. In other words, first you point to their flaws. That's point one. Point two, tell them how to correct the flaws. That, that's all it is. The gospel is finding people, observing their flaws, and then telling them how to get better in their flaws. Listen, don't start with correction. In other words, don't go up to people and say, you need to be saved. You need to do better. You need to stop smoking. You need to stop cussing. Don't no, you've skipped a step. Because if people are smoking or people are cussing and they don't see that as a problem, then what you're telling them is not good news. So in other words, you can't start with people where they are if they think they're already good. Because when you give good news, it's not going to be good news because they haven't been able to see the bad news. So if you help people see why, <laughs> why drink it all day destroys the temple, uh, messes up your spleen, uh, makes you wreck cars, or why lying can put, make you go to jail and you could miss seeing your children and, and why cheating can do this or that. If you can point out those things and get them to see that and agree, don't ever even mention Jesus. Don't even bring that up. Befriend people well enough to help them see what's wrong with their life. And once they agree that something is wrong, in other words, you brought them down, now you can introduce the good news and you can say to them, I got a better way. Oh, dang. And then when they see that as good news, now they're willing to listen. So we are off too often go up to people and say, you need to get saved. You need to do this. And, and you're wrong, wrong. People, listen, rich people don't think they need Jesus. Or, or uh, the Bible even says a wealthy person is hard for them to get to heaven. Why? Because they don't have any needs. They don't see anything wrong with their life. But that's why we need successful people who know billionaires and millionaires who can help people. And we know that it's true. We've seen billionaires, millionaires commit suicide and, and in depression and do drugs because they're not really happy. Point to where their flaws are. Get off. Don't try to get them to come to church. Don't try to get them saved. Don't get them in the choir. Just point out what's wrong. Bring them down and then offer them the product. I'm telling you, how you present the story. Then you say, I don't, I don't I'm telling you how to tell a story. I'm doing my job. Thank you, Opal. You give me this help. This works. Listen, this is how this works. This is how this works, Dolores. This is how this works. This is why I think God allows bad things to happen in the world. This is one of the reasons. People often ask, if God is God, why does he allow bad things to happen? Because we're in a world of sin. And when bad things happen to people, people began to realize their flaws. Uh-oh, hello. So when bad stuff happens to people, and not saying God knocked them down or God made them wreck their car, he's not doing that. He allows life to happen to people. So that's why you got a friend who just went through a divorce. That's why you got a friend who just had a car accident. That's why you got a friend who just filed for bankruptcy because God allowed that to happen so that you can help them see their flaw so that you can offer something better. I know you filed bankruptcy chapter 13, chapter seven, chapter 11, but uh, 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 I'm going to show you how to manage your finances in a way that God teaches by trusting him. He will meet all your needs. You won't have to worry about creditors. Is anybody tracking? The good news by itself may not be good news if people don't think there is a need for it. Do you get it? The good news by itself, you can't just walk out and say, good news, good news, behold, good news to everybody. Good news to the world, good news to the world. Nobody's listening to that. But if you say good news to people who are looking for good news, people who are looking for a word, people who are hungry for change, 
people who need a new way of living, people who need a breakthrough, people who are tired, sick and tired of being tired. When you bring the good news, oh boy, they become your best friend. Why? Because you've got another way to give them hope. So what is the story? Basically, you know the story. I'm not going to go through it, but basically God created us, right? We messed up. We caused this sinful damage. Jesus reverses the curse. He comes to earth, dies on the cross, saves us from our sins. We get eternal life. We return back into glory. This is good news. We become saved. We serve him on earth till we die out of appreciation. And then we go back to God. Everything about good is restored to those who believe. So the story must be wrapped up in a way that is good news to people that you were created by God marvelously, fearfully and made in his ways that whatever's wrong with your life, it can change. Jesus came to turn it around, that Jesus reverses the curse, that you can have eternal life, that you can be saved, that you can have a purpose, a calling, significance, and God wants to use you. I know nobody wants you right now, but God wants you. Show them that God wants to use them, and then tell them, this ain't your home. You got a mansion in glory. You can get rewards and a crowd. Package the story. That's good news. How to put the good news in your stories. I'm going to give you this and I got to wrap it up. I got, I'm running out of time. Let me give you this. How to put the good news in your story. There's a guy named John Piper. I looked at one of his videos and he basically suggests you don't have to tell the story in one way. You can nestle the product in various storytelling components. Let me show you how to do that. These are his suggestions uh, from, from John Piper. Listen, this is how you tell it. How do you tell the story? The first thing he says, he says, you can tell it, you can tell the story as a plan. In other words, tell the story as a rescue plan. Tell the story to people that God came to rescue you. You can tell it as a plan. God has a plan for your life. If you, if people who are, you know, out of sorts, they don't have a plan. You can tell the story in a plan format. In other words, tell it methodically, tell it from, um, an executive summary, tell it from a description, tell it from purpose, tell it, tell it in a plan. Secondly, he says, you can tell it as an event. In other words, tell people what happened. Just tell the story, tell it Christ died on the cross a long time ago. It ain't got nothing to do with church. This is just in history. This is history says this. There was a man named Jesus out of Nazareth years ago was seen walking on the earth. Just tell the story. Some people may have never heard it. Just tell them about it. Number three, tell it as an achievement. You can tell it as an achievement. In other words, something that was accomplished. In other words, sins were paid for. This is one I like to tell to successful people. Successful people like stories about progression and vision. So when you tell them the story that Jesus was 12 years old in the temple, sitting there visualizing himself as a preacher and as a priest, and he goes on to become that. He was 33 years old when he died, but he saved millions of souls. He conquered death. He did all that. In other words, uh, successful people hype on that. They'd be like, mm, yeah, all right, I can see that. I'm going to put my faith. got to have faith. you know." And if you go to any business workshop worth this grain of salt, you will, you will hear all kinds of concepts about faith, about vision and mission statement and, and trust and, and leaning and dependence and teamwork and network. All that's biblical, baby, but they just don't put Jesus on it. So that's one way I like to tell it in the form of achievement. And then the fourth one is an offer. In other words, tell the story as a form of an offer. In other words, I got something to offer you. Let me offer you this. I got this free thing. I got this free story that I'm trying to relate to you. You can just give them an offer. Free offer to the world. It's not by works. Nothing you have to do. People are often afraid. you about Because when you start talking about, I got something to give you. How much it going to cost me? What I got to do? Tell them the offer is it's free. You don't have to do nothing. Number five. Application. In other words, tell the story in the form of an application. In other words, look at me. I'm the application. I'm the example. I'm the person. Here it is right in front of you. Application, application, application. What do we, what, what? We, in other words, we do what God did in history. In essence, all that God did for us is applied to us. Whatever story we're telling in the Bible, 
live it in front of people and say, you're looking at the application of what can happen to you. So in other words, be the example of what people can become. Are you tracking? And then lastly, number six, destination. Offer the story as a destination. You'd be surprised at how many people want to get out of here. (laughs) You'd be surprised at offering the story as a place for God, for people to go. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you so that where you are, where I am, there you may be also. So in other words, you start telling people about uh, the streets are paved with gold, 12 gates to the city, every jewel you can think about. There will be no need for a sun and a moon because God will be the light himself. Do you get what I'm saying? Tell it as a destination. People want to go to Hawaii. People want to go to France. People want to go to Mars. People want to go. You'd be shocked at how many people want to go places. Tell them a story as a destination. That is our message. We all are returning to God. All things previous are means to this end. So that's how you tell it. You got six ways you can do it. How will this gospel benefit the world? What will it do for the individual as well as the world? Does this gospel have an impact on the whole global unit? Does the gospel have power on neutral people as well as believers? That's a great question. Let me look at this text with you real quick. Paul then said, stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. Now these are unsaved people. So this is, this is how this gospel works on people who are religious, but they're not saved. So verse 23 says, he says, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Remember, the gospel will affect people who don't even know God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. In other words, my, my gospel has so much power, what you're calling unknown, I'm going to proclaim. I'm going to show you how what you think you believe in really is what you should be believing in. Watch this, 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. Some people will never come to church. So show them God outside of the temple, not built with hands. So then verse 25, he says, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. So many people think Christianity and church, they all they do is want something. God said, I don't need nothing from you. I'm God all by myself. And then he says, 26, from one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. This is ridiculous. God says he created every man and determined the times in which they would live and the exact places of where they would live. God knows that you would, God knew before you were born, you would live in California. God knew before you were born that you would live on the East Coast. That's how much power he has. So he says then in 27, God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. 28, for in him we all live and move and have our being. And some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So you unsaved people even got poets writing saying we're his children. 29, therefore, here it is, this is powerful. Since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In other words, if we're his children, then why are you worshiping gold and silver? It's not an, it's not an image. Verse 30, he says, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. In other words, now is a time for you to repent. You cannot sit there and hide behind ignorance anymore. Verse 31 says, for he has set 
a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. That's Jesus. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. So this passage helps us to see the real power that God has, the gospel has, even on people who say he's an unknown God. I don't know who he is. And I'm going to wrap this up for you. He answers these questions. The gospel answers the questions for the unsaved. The gospel answers the questions that all men and women ask, saved or unsaved. You want a product that has a spiritual dynamic and a practical application in order to get the best understanding. So the gospel answers, what's our origin? What is man's origin? Where do we come from? What's our meaning? Why do I exist? Haven't you heard those questions? And then what is morality? Is there really such a thing as good and evil? And then what is our destiny? In other words, where will I end up? All I'm trying to point out to you is that the gospel answers all those questions for people, whether they're saved or not. The gospel is so powerful that it has the power to persuade people by giving understand to their createdness, to their origin, to their significance, to their purpose in life, to morality, to understand good and evil, and then to understand where they ultimately should end up. The spiritual creates a dimension. In other words, when you offer it to people, you create a dimension for people to look into, but it must be offered in a practical way enough to where they can blend their reality with spirituality. Do you get what I'm saying? So Paul came to them and talked to them about an unknown God and their poets and their uh, images. He made it practical enough so that he could say, but now will come a time that all of you will be held accountable for what you believe. You will have to repent because after today, after me giving you the gospel, you are responsible for what you heard. Wow, that's powerful. So this way, the intrigued can still hold on to their reality while being intrigued by the spirituality that's offered. The questions we all ask are answered in the text in Acts and what I just read. The answers are provided in the truth of Christ as he is our creator and we can know him if we but believe. Here's my conclusion. My conclusion is simple. And I want to end this story with this. This is powerful. Cheryl, I want you to listen to this. Brenda, I want you to listen to this. In 1961, the Russians sent someone to space, a cosmonaut to space. And when he came back, he stood and he said, when I got in space, I did not find God, nor did I find heaven. So C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis told the returning cosmonaut, he responded to him and he said, looking for God in space is like Hamlet looking for Shakespeare in one of his plays. Watch this now. Shakespeare is the writer of the play Hamlet. Hamlet is the character in the play. And C.S. Lewis was like saying to the cosmonaut, he says, looking for God in space is like Hamlet looking for Shakespeare in the story that, that Shakespeare created. So watch this now. In order for Hamlet, the character of Shakespeare, to see Shakespeare in the story, Shakespeare would have to write himself into the play. The only way Hamlet would be able to see Shakespeare is if Shakespeare wrote himself into the play and then Hamlet would be able to see him. So the point C.S. Lewis was making to the Russian was that the only way you're going to see God in space is if God who created you wrote himself into your story so that you could see him in your space. This is exactly what the gospel is. The gospel is the creator of life writing himself into our story so we could see him and come back and tell the story. The gospel is an account of God coming from heaven. You can read Ephesians 2. 
that he thought it not strange or thought himself equal with God, but he came down and took on the form of a servant. In other words, as a human, he wrote himself into our history so that we could see him. You will not see God if there is no story in which it tells a relativity to us. God, I'm happy. God. So he says in John 1.14, he says, The word became flesh, and flesh dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The only way we saw God was when he became flesh, and we beheld his glory. The gospel is the account of God writing himself into the history of humanity. The gospel is God merging himself, all of the likeness of heaven, all of the power of the universe, born in a manger, out of a mother's womb of Mary in a stable where it stinks, wrapped in cow rags, being God himself became human. He served and worked as a carpenter. He was a shepherd boy. He stood around in the temple. He pooped his diapers. This is relatability. He wrote himself in our story so that he could see what we needed help from. He became what he knew we were and said, I will give you the option to transcend it. Because as I rose from the dead, so you too can raise from whatever you're going through. But you would never see that truth unless you were able to see that truth in a story. And so I'm telling you, I'm begging you, find a way to bring God into your story and tell your story to other people so other people can have the hope of salvation. My goal today was to teach you about the family product. The family product is the gospel and that gospel is powerful. I hope to teach you what is it. Number two, how do we present it? And number three, what will it do? How will it benefit all of mankind? Now be brave. Know your product so you can tell his story. His story. History. Know your product so you can tell history in his story or her story. However God has placed his truth in your life, the world is waiting on your story to give them the hope of salvation. I'm PC, and that's all I've got.